Beards for Radio. Yeah, hey guys, welcome back to Beards for Radio. I'm Sasha. And I'm Joe. And, you know, we do the regular. We're going to talk a little bit about local sports, um, Michigan, Michigan State football. And then we're going to go on and talk about um, the new El Camino movie that's coming out for Netflix. That's uh, a direct movie spinoff from Breaking Bad. I believe it takes place right at the very end of Breaking Bad. So we're going to get in that. Very yeah, exciting. Two, we- two weeks from today, man. Yeah, very exciting, or man. Tomorrow, I can't- yeah. Yeah, so, but first things first is the the, the surprising cardiac kitties, man. Um, everyone expected them to go 0-11 to start off with. ESPN's generator, but, you know, ESPN's not that great at predicting stuff. But it, the Lions squeaked by, I believe, uh, a torn down Chargers team. They sneaked by a... Uh, torn down Philadelphia team, which rightfully so, um, um, they, they needed to win, you know, yeah. um, one, um, but I would like to see them blow those teams out, you know what I'm saying? Cause they didn't come with their, you know, they didn't really like, bring their a games to those. Right. And you know, when, when these teams are bringing their whole repertoire, you know, their whole arsenal in the bag and a lot of key players are out. I would like to see like, maybe like, a. a two, three score separation for Lions. And then I could kind of fall a little more into it, but I'm still on that, you know, I'm still on that bubble. I'm still on that cost. I'm not going to buy in. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing doing this since I was, uh, you know, eight years, six, six, seven, eight years old. So I've seen way too much about to get the hype, to get pulled into the hype train. But from what I've seen so far, not really liking our running game. Um, Stafford is looking, uh, I want to say he's looking awesome. I want to say he's looking bad. I say he's looking good. You know what I'm saying? Um, the first game it took, you know, you know, the, the first half of the game, they looked great. You know, the second half, yeah. you know, I don't know what happened. Um, the first half of the, uh, Chargers game, he looked like crap. And then they came back and won it and did this fourth quarter thing again, you know? So it kind of looked like versus, uh. Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego. Yeah, it looked like he was kind of he was doing like his best Brett Favre impression. He was just slinging it with uh, reckless abandon, almost. Right, and you know what? Sometimes it's it's almost. I feel like he is he is more he is a better quarterback when it's instinctual. It's you know his instincts come in, and yeah. not when he has to think about it. You know what I'm saying? He does this. You know. When he just lets it sling, and I know it's not really like that. Sometimes he needs to have a little touch in the ball, like that little, that, like that last pass to Jesse James to get the first down to kind of seal it for them in a, in a way. So I, I, I know he has to do that, but I feel like he's at his best when he's just doing it. You know what I'm saying? It just it just comes yeah. to him. You know what I'm saying? But um, I, I'm pleasant surprised for what I saw. I'd like to see a little more offense. The defense, I don't know what the heck's where they're at. You know, we spent so much line. You spent so much money on our defensive line this year. You know, with flowers and um, uh, getting snacks, the, snacks, and that dude uh, Daniels from uh, Green Bay. I figured we'd look a lot, uh, a little more. You know, a b- better of a force up front right there. But yeah, I yeah. I expected the defensive line to be dominant, and really through three games, we have not seen them make any type of impact. Oh yeah, especially when you have someone like Kyler Murray, you're letting uh. 
uh, of yeah. ten, you know, quarterback as a rookie just try, almost come back on you. His first, his first, even you know, dip his tone in NFL water, and this guy's about to make a comeback on you. So yeah, oh, we'll always remain apprehensive with the Lions. We'll always, you know, kind of you know just not buy in right away. And I think this next. This next win or next win, pussy. I'm jumping ahead already. Don't get too confident, man. This next game, if they get a win and go into the bye bye week with you know three zero and one, I think it's a it's it's a great it's a great position for them to be in. But that's if they can win it this Sunday. So, yeah. and, you know, there are basically two schools of thought. You know, you mentioned it when you're playing banged up, not complete. Uh, um. Uh, they are, then, you know, um, you would like to see more wins. But on the other hand, you know, you ain't going to apologize for wins in the NFL because, you know, it doesn't matter who was on the field as long as the people in your uniform won. That's what's going to count uh, at the end of the season. So, I, but I really feel like that tie is going to come back to bite him in the ass. You know, man, I, uh, we've seen a lot, a lot crazier stuff happen in the Lions season. So yeah, it could it definitely could happen. But yeah, they're just they're gonna need to play a whole lot better. I'm not saying they're playing terrible. I'm not saying they're playing great. They're like yeah. they're they're playing their middle of the road, man. And like this is what the they, Lions they could have lost. They could have lost all three games, and they haven't. So that's true too. That's they, that's worth something. Right, it's worth something, but they play middle of the road, and I think a lot of people that's been Detroit Lions fans for years are apprehensive because we've this is the same old song and dance we've seen this show before, but you know what I'm saying. So I think it's really gonna have to actually happen. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing is believing. It's we're actually gonna yeah. have to get there and win a playoff game for I think for a lot of people to actually come back. I don't think. You know, it, 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 in five weeks from now, if they're like, like what, eight, eight and two, something like that, I still don't think people will buy in. You know what I'm saying? I still do not think people will buy in un- until they actually win a playoff game. I think, I think that should be the Lions' expectation, even though everyone's expectation should be winning a Super Bowl. That should be every team's expectation year in, year out. You know what I'm saying? But, Let's make our expectation to at least win a playoff game. You know what I'm saying? If that, I, I think that happens, it'll bring some people back a little bit. Yeah, and it feels like the conversations we were having two years ago uh, during Caldwell's last year when the Lions were off to a very similar start. They had won most of their games by slim margins. They had a controversial loss to the Falcons. So... Yeah, this is familiar territory. People want to act like the Lions have never gotten off to good starts. They've done it plenty of times. You right. know, we've just seen where it goes from here. And I don't think they're going to beat Kansas City. And I don't think it's going to be pretty either. But that's a game you kind of – I don't want to say you expected to lose it going in because this is the NFL, you know. Your pair, your players are getting paid just like the other team. But you know, when we looked at the schedule before the season, that was one we all kind of looked at as a probable loss. So it's going to be right, right. how they 
respond if they do lose on Sunday? You know, that, that's that's fair enough to say because, yeah, they're the Chiefs, man. You know, yeah. Patty Mahomes playing out of his flipping mind. Talk about somebody who plays instinctual. That dude. That's, that's my boy, dude. Everything he does, man, like, like you can see it. Like, obviously, his baseball background's helped him. But, like, if you've seen um, any of him playing, like, pickup basketball, yeah, he, just, he is just such an athlete, dude. It just – it comes to him so easily, you know what I'm saying? And and he's so – he's so in tune. That's the crazy thing is he's so in tune. It's almost like – it's almost like when um when, when, when uh, uh, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker is, like, got his first fight scene in, in school <laughs> and, like, so slow to him. And he ended up beating the crap out of Flash, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. like it's it's like almost like that. Like everything just he can just slow everything down to his speed, and he knows what moves he's gonna do next and what he's gonna. He's just an anomaly, dude. So yeah, um, that I, dude I is was so. His uh, his tape with Gruden. You know how before Gruden was the Raiders coach, the second yeah he did that quarterback the club Gruden thing quarterback camp. Yeah. And he was talking to Mahomes about the little sidearms he does, you know, the kind of no-look passes he does. And Mahomes is like, I'm not showing off. That's just the best way to throw the ball in that moment for me, you know? Right. And, I mean, if you could do it, do it, dude. And I love I love instinctual players, you know what I'm saying? That's what, you know, we said that about um, uh, Matt Stafford. I just think oh, Matt, yeah. Matt Stafford is an instinctual player, but he just – his instincts is are – are way better than his physical ability. Do you know what I'm saying? His physical yeah. ability has caught up to his instincts. Like, Patty Mahomes is like, his his physical ability and his instinct are like top of the line. They're right. They're, they're both operating at top level. Right. Absolutely. So, I think we're going to really need to see that from Stafford this, this coming Sunday. And I want to see the D-line step up. The D-line needs to step up. And I don't want to see um, – uh, Darius Slay from uh, the Chargers game because even though he got that pick that ended up you know sealing it for them at the very he end, he was getting picked on. He was getting he, big play Slay. Why did you give him up? You gave up a lot of big bigger plays than that. He, he got saved by getting the interception at the end because you yeah. know everything everything got 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 clouded over with his <laughs> winning interception. But he was getting Keenan Allen was taking him to school. Philip Rivers was going right at him. They weren't shying away from him. They were going right at that Pro Bowl cornerback that we have. And you know what, man? They were he was getting his he was getting his butt picked apart. So when I heard that Jalen Jalen Ramsey was on the uh, market, I'm like, you need to get this guy over here because he, Darius Slay isn't a number one quarterback. Sorry, he's yeah. a number two. He, he, he's 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 a good he'd be a good compliment to a great cornerback. And that's just how I look at it. I think he, you know is he underrated? You can, you can make that argument, but I, I just don't really see it in him in a consistent basis to take over that secondary. Just don't see that's that's my opinion. But if they could get Ramsey, that would change a lot for me, at least from like a, an excitement perspective. Perspective. Um, <clears throat> but I haven't really heard too many like talks about if the Lions have been in talks with Jacksonville, but. If so, you know, that that would be pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Like, that would be worth, you know, a first and, you know, a couple picks in the in the later half of the draft. Absolutely. And for the last thing I read about Jalen uh, 
Ramsey is that they're not willing to trade him. <clears throat> I don't I don't see why you would. I better pay him. You better pay him, or you, you you better have him and the coach sit down because him and the head coach don't get along, and you get cancerous. So you're gonna have to uh, go do it with one to keep the other, and you know, in Jacksonville's management, you know, their their upper echelons and ownership needs to deal with that big time. So I think that's a cancer to a organization that has been on the cusp of being great. You know, what I'm saying, you know, they they've yeah. been. They've been good for the past three, four years, you know, better than a lot of people expected, you know. And then you got Nick Foles over there. He goes down. So it's just starting to become a shit show over there in Jacksonville. And I just think that uh, Jalen Ramsey staying there is just not a good thing. Yeah. So um, where you want to go from here? You want to go to Ann Arbor or you want to go to East Lansing? Um. I know you got some grievances to to air about. I mean, the people it's, in Ann Arbor. I mean, we can we, we can make this short for Ann Arbor. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that you know that audio of um, God, I can't even think of his name. Chris Spielman. The audio of Chris Spielman sums it up the best. You know what I'm saying? They brought Harbaugh in here, he, and he knows what it was expected of him. It was championship. Yep. It was bringing us. Bringing us to uh, where we were uh, 70 years ago when Michigan State was an agricultural school. He was supposed to bring us back to that to that point, to that pinnacle, to that pedestal. And he has not. He has failed. He has not won a big game. Okay? He's not won a Big Ten. He's not showing me that he can develop players. He still has this uh, uh, quarterback issue. It's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer? No, man. You got a you got quarterback lucky. No pun intended. Comment. It just came out. But I believe that everywhere he's gone before that, he's fell into luck. Like, like he with the San Diego State. I mean, he, you know, that's your first big thing. Whatever goes on to Stanford. Luck fell in his lap. Goes on to uh, 49ers. That's, that, that, you, you got Kaepernick. That's right when the RPO is getting really popular in the NFL. That's right. And old boy Kaepernick can run it like a motherfucker. Excuse my language. So he got All lucky. Right. Wherever he went, I feel like Harbaugh got lucky. And he came here, right? And he, he had the ass end of, you know, Rich Rod, Brady Hoax recruits. You know what I'm saying? And now that he has his own dudes, I see nada. I see nothing. I don't I don't see this explosive offense that Gaddis is supposed to run. I doubt Gaddis was calling plays in, a, in Alabama the way he's calling plays in Ann Arbor. Um, he, 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 we have big hybrid receivers like Nico and Black and Peoples Jones, and we have a five foot nothing quarterback that can't even see him. No, 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 uh, ball awareness. Talk about how he was so good with his with his ball handling and his ball. Dude's fumbled every single game this year, and not fumbled like oh, and like it fell back in his lap. He's lost. Pretty much all those yeah. fumbles, you know what I'm saying? And then they put McCaffrey, and McCaffrey gets hurt. And then single she's hurt. Now we have Milton. Cool. I want to see new blood because I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Patterson was it. And I blame McCaffrey's injury on the plays they call when he goes out there. Because whenever he goes out there, they're doing some kind of run. They're doing some kind of quarterback keeper, and that dude does not like I said it before. Does not slide. He get his head knocked off, and you look what happened. He's, he, like, got, he got hit pretty good. You remember Denard Robinson's 
freshman season when he was splitting time with Tate Forcier. When yes. Denard Robinson lined up at quarterback, every single person watching the game in the stadium, on TV, and anywhere knew exactly what was going to happen. It was going to be a run. Right. And I've, we have not seen McCaffrey thrown much of anything in any game that he's played. Right. And now and Milton coming in, who's known for his legs and not his arm. It's like Michigan is a complete shit show right now. I think Harbaugh needs to get fired. That Wisconsin win was to me was win or off of his head. And I'm saying off of his head. I don't I don't care anymore, dude. And when when I heard the rumors flying that Urban was coming up here, I'm like, bring it, bro. At this point, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> watching, watching the Big Ten Network, I'm starting to like. You know, as much as I hate the state of Ohio, as much as I hate a Scarlet and Gray, that guy knows what the F he's talking about. Urban Myers has yeah. charisma. You know what I'm saying? He breaks everything down. Well-spoken dude. I mean, I, I, it's like those people that you want to hate him. I want to hate him. Being, a, being a, a Michigan fan from the state of Michigan, I want to hate Urban Myers, but I don't. I think he's one hell of a coach. And I don't give a shit about what follows after him, this, that, and the third. You know what? Bring me a championship. I don't care if there's a fucking scandal here. I really don't give a shit anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm at a point where I do not care. And that's how I am with uh, w- w- with the Wolverines. It's like I'm not even I, I'm not even worried about Saturday. I, p- I picked up overtime Saturday. I don't care to watch the game, dude. I do not care. To, watch. The, to me, the Wolverines are turning into the Lions, and I refuse to buy merch. Just like a free supply lines merch. I'll watch them. I'll tune in, but I'm not going to be all the way 100% invested. My 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 Michigan gear is going in the same box my Lion gear is in. Because you know what? I look around and I see no good Michigan teams, pro and college. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're a far yeah. high way. You know what I'm saying? And like I said last episode, I'm looking forward to basketball, college basketball season this year. Oh, most definitely. But to me, the number, the stat that says everything you need to know about James Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, he's 0-7 as an underdog. Yes. So every game, people talk about his record. You know, he's 50-14 and 14 or whatever it is. Yeah, Sure, that's a great rec- record. All of those games you won, you were supposed to win. Fluff. There, there's never been a game where, you know, the cards, uh, the chips are down and they're against Michigan and, you know, the odds are stacked against them, but they pull it out. Mark D'Antonio has lost a lot of games he shouldn't have, and we'll get into that. But he's made a name and a career for himself by winning games he shouldn't. Winning games where his, his team has no reason to go into a stadium and win a game, but he's done that time and time again. And Jim Harbaugh did it at Stanford. You know, they they dethroned the mighty USC under Pete Carroll. I don't think he's the same guy. No. Something's, something has changed in the – it's year five now. It's All year right. five. If, if I told you during that press conference, uh, New Year's Eve 2015, whenever it was, you'd be three games into year five, no wins as an underdog, no wins over Ohio State. Uh, split record with Michigan State, who has experienced their worst brand of football since the John L. Smith era. No Big Ten championship. Not even a trip to Indy. Not even a not, 
you can't you, you finished in second place once in it. You haven't even sniffed Indianapolis. Right. I mean, no. You would have. You would have told me. Yes. I was crazy. Yes, I would have. Yes, I would have told you you're crazy because because living in the state, I go with track record. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah. he has a pretty good track record. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I can say what I say about Lions because they don't have a good track record. I'm going to go off the track record. Harbaugh came in here, you know, winning in the, in the collegiate level, winning in the yeah. pro level, going to Super Bowls. So you're, you're, you're automatically, you automatically have that mindset. Like, cool. He's already won. He's already been winning on the levels. You know what I'm saying? He's already got to places where, you know, we need coaches like him to take this program and he hasn't been doing it. And you know all, all the signs pointed towards it working. You're right. The track record, it, everything looked like it was it was lining up perfectly. And you know, and you know what? With Michigan, enough said, Joe. I think we could segue into Michigan State. But the reason why, and I'll let you take over. But the reason why Dan Antonio wins the games he's not supposed to, and he's known for that, is because he develops his players. He doesn't hoard for five-star recruits, right, and then let the ones go that he doesn't have enough scholarships for, which is a scumbag move to begin with. You know, he develops the two, three-star recruits and the four, five-star players. That's what coaches do. And that's one thing that I'm jealous that Michigan hasn't had. That's one thing that pisses me off. And we can segue to state, and you can take over for D'Antonio because I'm done with Harbaugh. Sounds fair. Yeah, D'Antonio – Look, <clears throat> it's nice that he, he got his 110th win at Michigan State and he's the winningest coach. And now Michigan State, you know, they got – they're the only school in America that right now has the winningest coach in basketball and the winningest coach in football still coaching at that school, which is special. Don't get me wrong. No, no, Joe, that's what's up, dude. That's, that's something, amazing. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's something that to, to front out, dude. So it's, it's a good thing, man. But – we didn't really talk after the Arizona State debacle that took place a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I kind of let you. I kind of let you. Uh, <laughs> I let you calm down. You know, go off in the pasture, just chill out for a second before you came back and really and eat that, it. Up. And that was smart, my man. That was smart. Look, that loss. It felt like a continuation of the 2018 season that we thought was over. It just defied all reason because it felt like every single thing that needed to go wrong for the Spartans to lose that game went wrong. And so much of it was, was avoidable. And yeah, you can, you can talk about the the PAC 12's refs missing the leaping penalty on the final kick attempt. The reason I'm pissed about them missing that, because that, that gives the coaching staff a reason to be like, see, we should have won that game. If they had called that, we could have kicked a field goal again. Like, there were so many mental mistakes on the part of the coaching staff. Right. I don't, I don't fault the players. The players were moving the ball. You know, with when they got the ball with 90 seconds left, whatever it was, and they had to get themselves in position to score, Brian Lewerke, his mass unit of an offensive line, and Daryl Stewart, they got in position. And they had 11 seconds left. 11 seconds is a lot of time in the football world. That's right. more than enough time to take a shot at the end zone. But instead, the, the picture that sums it, up perfect, sums it up perfectly is Lewerke, 
it looks like he's throwing a tantrum. He doesn't know what's going on. He's, yeah. you know, he even str- he's, what are we doing? Yeah, he even says it. You're right. So it's going to take a lot for Mark D'Antonio to win back this fan base. That was the day where we were supposed to celebrate Mark D'Antonio two weeks right. ago on Saturday. Right, but let me tell you this, Joe. Mark D'Antonio resigns after this year. He's given you guys a lot. He has. A lot. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know what? And I, I, I understand it comes a time where if you can't do it no more, bro, you got to walk away. But he's given you guys a lot. I can't oh. say that about my program. You get what I'm saying? So it's Look, like Mark, Mark D'Antonio has done what many thought impossible. Right. Michigan. People talk about the the shit show that Michigan was when Jim Harbaugh took over. It wasn't even comparable to what was going on in East Lansing. Like, yeah, Brady Hoke was pretty bad, but they'd been to three. They'd been to bowl games in the four straight years before Brady Hoke's last season. And they had NFL talent on that roster when Jim Harbaugh got there. You had Jabril Peppers and Jake Butt and Devin – or Devin Funches was gone, but he was there the year before. And you had, you know, Taco Charlton, Jordan Lewis. You had NFL talent when Jim Harbaugh walked in. Right. When Mark D'Antonio came to Michigan State, they've been to one bowl game since 1999. The best player the on their roster was uh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer was his quarterback. <laughs> So, but, you, but at least you guys got to the playoffs, man. I, I love Mark D'Antonio for what he has done. And I'm not advocating for him to step down or be fired. I'm Look, he, he's delivered some of the best moments of my sports fan life to me. Right. Right, right. He's given me a lot, you know. I but, just go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead, man. But what? You had a butt in there. I want to hear it. But it's reasonable for all of us to be frustrated when you climb the mountain. You know, you almost reached the tippy top. He got to the playoffs, which very, very few coaches have done. Right. But you know what he's done since he got to that near the top of the mountain? Pulled out a sled and he took a fun ride all the way back down to the bottom. Right. And maybe he can do it again. Maybe he can climb back up. He's got the defense that he's built on his own. But when you follow up, you know, a playoff appearance with a three and nine season and then win 10 games the next season, you know, it looked like the three and nine season was the aberration. Aberration. That's the word. Right, but don't you feel like at, at points that a lot of programs have to go through a two, three year slump? Maybe sometimes they lose, oh, they lose yeah. a, a bunch of their studs. They gotta go through two years, two, three. You think maybe maybe this is Michigan State slump? That they're gonna go through? Maybe they'll start yeah. coming back towards the end of the year, beginning of next. Here's the thing. I believe he can do it again. And I believe it can happen this year. I said before the season, if they don't get to Indy, it's a disappointment. And that's what Mark D'Antonio has built. When he got to Michigan State, it was all about getting six or seven wins and just getting into a bowl. Right. Now, you know, that's something we kind of take for granted. Like when Tom Izzo leaves Michigan State, we're going to forget about how easy it is to take March Madness for granted. Right. That is true, too. 
very few times in my life have I been sitting there on Selection Sunday biting my nails. In my in my life, I've never seen Michigan State at home in March. They've always been part of the dance, and Mark D'Antonio right. has made that part of the real is part of the um what's the word? He's made that part of the culture for Michigan State football. So, look, you know, breaking down the game at Northwestern, Brian Lewerke, it looks like he's back to his 2017 self in terms of uh, his confidence and his passing the ball. Low-key, he's having a really nice season. It's not getting a lot of talk, but he's having a good season right now. Uh, Daryl Stewart is a senior. He's having his best season right now. He actually leads the Big Ten in receiving yards. A lot of people probably don't realize that. Um, you guys got Elijah too. Elijah Collins has stepped up big time after, um, after the Western game. You know he hasn't really had too much of a drop off, um, and I think he's. A lot of people have been talking about like the drop off that's going to happen next season when all these seniors leave. I actually don't think it's going to happen because they have a lot of players in the two deep that get a lot of playing time right now, but. Um, Michigan State has the tools to do something special this year. They got the defense. They got the quarterback. They have just enough offensive weapons that they can do it if everything is right. So what I need to see from Michigan State this Saturday, I just I need to see a minimum a minimalness of sloppy play. Okay. Because they're going on the road to Ohio State, going on the road to Madison, and then they got Penn State. That's a hell of a three-game stretch. You're not supposed to win those games. But what did I say when we started? Mark D'Antonio has made a career off of winning games he shouldn't. And he's he's got a chance to prove himself again. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think he's lost the fan base. But on the day that was, like, supposed to be – his coronation, his the celebration of Mark D'Antonio, he kind of reminded all of us green and white faithful why we've been so frustrated in the last three seasons, you know? Yeah, and I think as a fan, you have that right. You have that right to question. You have that right to worry. You spend a, a lot of time watching the game. You spend a lot of money, you know, on merch. You spend, you know... Uh, uh, your own time. I go to the games. I, right. I buy tickets all the time. Buy tickets, buy, buy, buy stuff at the, you know, at the, uh, at the stadium. You, know, yep. you, buy, you buy shirts, this and that. You go to extracurriculars if you can. You watch TV. So, yes, man, you, 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 you want to see, you know, dominance in them. You want to see, you, you want the best out of them. And it's all right if you question it. You know, right. to, to me, you're not a fan if you don't question. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, you, you can blindly drink the Kool-Aid. You can blindly be – but if you don't – like I'm part of a lot of Wolverine, you know, groups on Facebook. And I've been seeing a lot of narrative like, oh, well, if you don't – if you're not a Michigan fan now, you're not going to be a Michigan fan. We, like shut the hell up, dude. Like like if you don't question, I feel like all you are is just a robot. You're just a zombie. True. It's all you are. Just Just give me the brains and if – if I eat the brains, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter if you're losing or not. You know what I'm saying? But 
a lot of people are like they'll they'll follow blindly they'll be slappies about it and me i'm sorry i can't do that i I hold i hold people accountable i hold my own kids accountable you know what i'm saying you should my kids doing something stupid i'm telling them you're doing it wrong it's dumb. It's gonna end up like this. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not happy with them, and, I'm let them know. The same thing. And not else. not to get away from Michigan State, but that's kind of like what's going wrong with Harbaugh. I think. Uh, you know, last year, this time last year, Ward Manuel, the athletic director, was talking about a lifetime contract. Well, why why would Jim Harbaugh feel the need to prove anything if you know he's always going to be loved by the fans? He's always going to have a job. He's got a lifetime contract. You know, he's it's nice work if you can get it, man. Right. You know what? I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not that guy. I can't I can't sit exactly. There. I can't sit there and just be like, oh, he's, that's our guy. No, bro. I'm a whole. No, I've, I've come on. I've come on this podcast and criticized how Tom Izzo ran some things a couple years ago. Right. And Mark D'Antonio, since he got to Michigan State, has been taking a page from Izzo's book. You know, he's talked about he's talked about it all the time, how he can just look across the street and there's a program that defines consistency that he can learn from. He can do it again because Tom Izzo has responded to his criticisms. You know, people said he couldn't recruit nationally and he couldn't get the five and the four stars. Well, he went out, he got Miles Bridges, and then he got Jaron Jackson and Cassius Winston and Jalen Terry and Rocket Watts. People said after the Syracuse game uh, last March that he needs to update the way he coaches his players. And he did. And look what happened. A team that wasn't supposed to be anything of note won a Big Ten title, a Big Ten tournament championship, and went to the Final Four, beating one of the all-time most talented Duke teams Mike Krzyzewski has ever had. Right. Mark D'Antonio can learn. He can – he can still learn a lot from wise Tom Izzo. Right. And, and and Tom is the man, bro. It's like um you're right, man. He takes these players and he and he develops them and he like it, it, and we talked about it last year. And if you want to, we can move on to Izzo because I kinda I had a question for you about Izzo, man. Oh yeah, sure. So we can move on to um, we can move on uh from football. I'm I'm so ready for basketball. I'm so my dude. Let's talk let's talk about Izzo basketball week three of football or week four of football. Let's do it. <laughs> Um, what I like about, especially about Izzo, and you, you mentioned it last year, is that, like, when he got in the kid's face and, like, got loud, I have no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. w- when these kids get into the real world, someone's going to get in their face, man. They're going to need to know how to handle it, be a man yeah. about it. But I like how he still kept his edginess, but also came down to these kids like, listen, <laughs> I know you guys are snowflakes, all right? I don't want to completely melt you, so... Am I am I am I right to uh, to constructively criticize? You know what I'm saying? I like how he got to that approach, but still yeah. has a little bit of his old school, you know, Tomizzo in him, you know. But that's what I like about him. But the question I had for you was: um, recently, I read a story about how Tomizzo's son is a walk-on. He's got the he got, he got a walk-on position at Michigan State. Now a lot of people are calling nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. You got to hire. You got to you got to get your son in there. You know what I'm saying? It, it could take up potentially away from uh, somebody else, which me, my opinion is, is that the walk-ons don't get full-ride scholarships unless they're proven, proven themselves. And Izzo's right. probably like just taken out of my paycheck anyway, you know what I'm saying, to pay for this kid's college. Right. But he had a really strong um, 
uh, a comment when they asked him, you know, about it. He's like, listen, you know, my, my kid played five minutes down the street in high school. I only went to four of his games. I'm, 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 I'm on the road all the time. I don't see my kid. You know, I kind of glad he's kind of on a team. I get to travel with him. I get to see him every day. You know, yeah. and like part of me is like, I get it. I understand it because like I'm, I'm against nepotism and the friends and family plan. But like this isn't like a Fortune 500 company, you know what I'm saying? This isn't like this isn't like Trump Jr. or Biden Jr. getting like 50k from Ukraine and like other you know, <laughs> entities, you know what I'm saying? This is just a kid who's gonna play four years, probably four years, because he's probably not gonna go to the NBA. He's with his nope. dad. He his dad's paying his scholarship. You know what I'm saying? If he's good enough to walk on, so be it. I got no problem with it. Like, what's your whole take on it? Because a lot of people, a lot of people don't like it. They they're frowning upon Michigan State's um, basketball program or what Izzo just did. So what is your whole take on it? I was just curious to see what you thought about it. I mean, I don't dislike it. I don't like it. You know, it's it's a walk-on player. He's not taking a, a scholarship from somebody else. Right. And Tom Izzo put it perfectly. And he's not shy. Tom Izzo, he's been known to be pretty uh, brass in his day. Um <laughs> He said, I've, I think I've given enough to this university. I've done enough for them that it's fine if I want to let my kid walk on to the basketball team. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty simple. And, you know, he said he's – they always preach a family atmosphere at Michigan State. You know, the Michigan State football team, they always have a bunch of sets of brothers on the team. And the basketball program, every, all the former players come back. Every year you see, you know, you look up in the stands and you'll see like uh, Morris Peterson, a Charlie Bell, Magic Johnson, uh, Adrian Payne, Gary Harris, Draymond Green. You know, you'll see all of the former players in the stands and they, they preach the family atmosphere. Right. Tom Izzo, his kid's part of his family. Right. And I don't know. Anybody who's complaining about it doesn't really have a right to unless, you know, they're the kid that tried out for the walk-on spot and got rejected because Tom Izzo's kid took it. You know, like, <laughs> like get over yourself. Right, and let me tell you something, man. As a father, I would be over the moon if 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 I was coaching, had a dream job like uh, Izzo did, be one of the best at your craft at what you do, not only nationally, yeah. but regionally hey, over um, here. I would love that, dude. I would love for my kid to be with me on that. So I, I – Calipari's kid played for him, and Calipari's bringing in, you know, eight five-star recruits every offseason. Right. So if he can make it, and work. he he just got a he's got a lifetime sweetheart deal, so it's just like, you know, he he's right. You know, he's given a lot, a lot, a lot to this program. You know, he's put Michigan State pretty much on the map when it's came to that. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. you know, we, we talked about what, what Mark D'Antonio made Michigan State football versus, like, what it was when he got there. It's so long ago that people forget Michigan State basketball was not all that when Tom Izzo got there. And, you know, yeah, you had the history with Magic Johnson and Judd Heathcote. That's great. But Judd Heathcote kind of coasted for almost 20 years after that championship. They didn't really do too much of note post-Magic Johnson. Right. So Tom Izzo got there, and he has – been the model of consistency he's built that program and the squad he has this year i don't want to get too bold but 
this could be his best team of all time. Hey man, it, it's it's it, it could be looking that way, especially when you got you know seniors coming back to lead the way, um, in Tillman and um, God Cassius. So it's you know, I, hey man, like you know me, dude. I love watching basketball. I love Michigan and Michigan State basketball. I'm glad it's where it's at. I just want Juwan Howard, son, to be able to play for him, and me to say that. Jawan Howard has earned his right to have his son play, just like Tom Izzo did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad you you looked at. It the I, same think, I think Jawan Howard's son might be a little bit of a, a little bit better of a basketball player than uh, Stephen Izzo is. Are you saying that because Stephen Izzo's white? The white man can't jump. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure uh, one of Jawan Howard's kids is like a four star recruit right hey, now. Hey man, please please come to Michigan, man. I, I you know nepotism. I don't care about it, bro. I just need something good going on, but. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad you looked at it the same way I did because I think I think that man's earned it and I think it's every father's dream to be able to coach his son at such a high level of competition in basketball, yeah. especially what you've done for and everybody in Lansing. Why why would you want to deny A Tom Izzo the chance to be with his son more often and then B deny his son the opportunity to see his dad in a whole new light? Not only that, but deny the kid the opportunity to play a collegiate sport you know be under those lights you're right. the war of the crowd i mean like i'd give my left fucking pinky to, to, go, to go back and, and 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 mend my knees and and see if i could go do something I, you know the kids live in a dream you know i'm so sick of the haters i'm so sick of everybody you know just knocking down the uh knocking down kids like that just let him do his thing and tom tom said hey I'm not gonna start him against Kentucky. Like, don't right. don't get too worked up about it, man. That's funny. That's man, funny. I'm, I'm so pumped. Like, not to get like too into basketball season, but like, I just I love Michigan State's roster, and I love the fact that they have a, a schedule from hell this year. Because you open up against Kentucky in New York, that could be a one versus a two matchup. They're on the road at Seton Hall like a week later. <sighs> Seton Hall is going to be a good team, dude. They got a lot coming back, and they're a top 15 team. Right. Um, you got the Maui Invitational where you could potentially play Kansas, and then you're at home. Duke finally comes to East Lansing after we've been traveling to Durham or whichever city in North Carolina they are. Right. Like, people bring up Tom Izzo's record against Mike Krzyzewski all the time. Rightfully so, but keep in mind – Mike Krzyzewski has come to East Lansing one time. And Tom Izzo has played at Duke, has coached at Duke, I believe, four or five times over his career. And they've played a bunch of times uh, on neutral floors or in March Madness, you know. Now Mike Krzyzewski, when he might have, for once, the less talented team, less experienced team, has to go on the road and face Tom Izzo. And uh, it's a it's a chance for uh, Tom Izzo to be like, hey, that March Madness win, you know, that was no that was no mistake, you know, that's because I'm a better coach. Right. And I, yeah, but I'm I'm so excited for basketball season. It's it's a few weeks away, but opening the season against Kentucky, I love that. Yeah, and um, rightfully so. We got a lot to look forward to. You have a hell of a lineup. We have a new coach to break in, man. So ex- exciting, dude. But let me tell you something more exciting, Joe. What's going on in two weeks, man? Netflix special, baby. That's right. Take it away. 
I love uh, the era of Netflix movies because you ain't got to get in your car, go to the theater, do whatever, you know, buy the ticket, buy the expensive popcorn or, you know, sit around waiting for it to come out on DVD or streaming services. Now it just comes out on your computer on whatever screen you're watching it on. That's great. Right. I'm with you. But the one we're talking about this go around is El Camino. And um, I don't, I hadn't gotten into Breaking Bad. Like, it was on my list for a long time until this past year. I wa- I finally got around to watching it, and I loved it so much. I watched Better Call Saul right after. I, wa- I blew through that. I love that. Probably going to watch it, try to see if I can watch the whole series again before October 11th. <laughs> but, yes. Breaking Bad is it's one of those series that it grasped people and it didn't let go. You know? People are kind of like slipping through the grasp that the Walking Dead once had on them or, you know, shows that go on for too long. Breaking Bad, I believe it was five seasons. Yeah, five or six seasons, something like that. Yeah, and it just it grabbed people and it kept them for the duration of the show. Yo, most definitely. I mean, you look back on I look back on these shows that like everybody was like so enthralled and, you know, I'm saying like Game of Thrones shitty ending yeah. you know what i'm saying uh what was the other one walking dead it's starting to get like come on it's, it's just getting old are we gonna have a shitty yeah. ending itself i mean there's so many crappy endings to you know a, a lot a lot of my friends they watched that De- dexter you know what i'm saying they were over the moon pissed off when the finale came out to me this ending was so great you know what I'm saying? It gave us an ending worthy of, you know, what the show has given us. You know, I haven't, like, to me, if you have never seen Boardwalk Empire, uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, sh- uh, show about um, an Irish gangster from from uh, uh, New Jersey, the Boardwalk, has a great yeah. ending to it. One of the best endings to the show. I love shows that have great endings. Those two shows, to me, have the best ending. I don't want to stay away from Boardwalk. And I'm, but Breaking Bad had such a great uh, ending, and then it's spinoff with Saul. You know what I'm saying? Where to me, Better Call Saul is such a different show from Breaking Bad, but it's so it's so good though. Like it keeps like the bones of it, but it grows into something completely different. Well, it's Breaking Bad in itself because to me, Saul is Breaking Bad. You know what I'm saying? That's right. He starts out as this as this small lo- small time lawyer. You know, his car sucks in the door. Right. To his car doesn't match, and he's just like running around doing everything for his clients. But when we met him in Breaking Bad, you know, he's he's already there, and he's he can just throw money at whatever he wants. You know, he's like, oh, you got this problem here's uh, you know, twenty thousand cash. He's yeah, that's that's a good point. I never thought of it that so, way. So, like, Saul broke bad. We even watched, to me, the most, m- m- the the character line, to me, the best out of Saul was Mike, Ermin Trouts. You know what I'm saying? I loved, I, I, I loved his storyline better than I liked Saul's. And he also broke bad. You saw it happening in little, you know, segments, and now all of a sudden he's Gus Fring's right-hand man setting up a, a, a basement to uh, in the uh, in the laundry place, you know, to grow meth, 
know what I'm saying? He's mm-hmm. up at the, you know, so we all, we also see Mike kind of break bad himself. And I feel like Mike was something was with Mike to begin with. And he kind of like straightened out when his son died and he'd take care of his daughter and his, and his, and his, and his, uh, and his uh, granddaughter. His granddaughter. And he got yeah. pulled back into it. So you kind of saw Mike breaking bad. We kind of saw Saul breaking bad. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Vince Gilligan is a freaking genius. You know what I'm saying? Cause he like, like it, it to me is like, yeah. Have you seen the Creed movies? Um, like the spinoff, the Rocky yes. spinoff? No, I haven't seen those. See, like, I, I watch Creed and I don't necessarily get the Rocky vibe from it, but I get the Rocky vibe from it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's not completely breaking bad. But it's there, and it's in front of your face, and it's the subtleties about it that make it like this is Breaking Bad. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when it comes to that, and then it's going to come full circle, and and El Camino's going to come out, and who knows? Because El Camino comes out before the next season of Saul. So will El Camino kind of roll into, you know, what's going on with Saul, you know, and everything? Because I heard a lot of rumors. Right. Vince Gilligan Gil- Gil himself was like, did you actually see – I, did you actually see Walter White Heisenberg? Did you actually see him die at the end? No, you just see him shot, wounded, fall to the ground with uh, cops and ambulances coming. They could have saved him. He he could be he could be in witness protection. You know what I'm saying? He knows a lot. You know what I'm saying? So they can go a lot of ways, dude. I think Vince Gilligan's kind of alluded to that a little bit, and then. Just like just like the Star Wars trailer, when we thought we heard the Empire laugh, Emperor laugh, when we thought we hear uh, Darth Vader uh, breathe, we hear Walter White ask, uh, well, I think it's Walter, ask Jesse, are you ready? You know what I'm saying? So, like, that, like, leaves you like, oh, my God, is Walter White still alive? Is he coming back? And I just think it's just I'm, all going to tie in together. It's, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I have no idea. I'm. I think Walter White is dead. I think that was like a the perfect character arc for him to end on. You know, so I, me, I would actually like prefer if he was dead. Um, but the, I have no idea who who was standing there, uh, ready to cook with Jesse. And somebody, I was talking to somebody about Breaking Bad, and they said to me, "It's such a likable show, but." you kind of hate all of the characters that the show revolves around. Like none of them are really likable. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. But I thought about it. And Jesse was like the only non manipulative character of the main bunch. He kind of had like a gentle soul about him, but he had, you know, a couple wrong turns in his past and people taking advantage of him so much, you know, we're going to, see like how he rebounds from just the most terrible you know he's lost everything he he lost uh his first girlfriend what's her face uh jessica Jessica jones Jones. yeah yeah uh he had to watch his second one get killed in front of him when he's bound and gagged and he can't do anything about it you know he he tried to convince walter white to leave the meth cooking game because they had earned so much money you know what what did walter white say i think it was season one after tuco killed that guy he like did all the math in his head and he's like i need 
seven hundred thirty-one thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, for my family to to survive. Yeah, for me. my family to be okay after I'm gone. And he was, you know, raking in like three million dollars. And you know, Jesse was the one to remind him of that. But it was it was Walter White's line in the very last episode or the last time he spoke with uh, Skyler. You know, he said he starts talking and she's like, you know, don't give me that line about you did it for us and all that. And he's like, no, I did it it because I was good at it. Right. I did it because I was the best, you know? And and it's, and it's, and it's like, it's so true. And, and, and also about Jesse's like when that little, when that little kid got killed, you know what I'm saying? I think that just set every, that was a straw, you know, that broke the camel's hump and it set everything into motion. And you're right. You can relate to Jesse because he, like you said, he's a he's a kind soul. He's a good person. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I think everybody. I know we've all we've all had like run-ins with our parents. We've all been viewed as fuck ups right. here and there. Right. I mean, and we've never got out and cooked cooked uh, blue blue meat. Right. You know. What I mean? <laughs> but like you, you you understand. You know, if you never went, if you haven't gone through what you went through, trust you know people that have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and it was like when that when they shot that kid or um I forget his name, but the the Nazi nephew shot that kid. You know, it was like everybody kind of just treated it as an, an unfortunate side of the business. Even Walter White, he was he was sad that it happened, but he was like ready to move on. Right. You know, but not Jesse. Jesse even, you know, just delivered a giant bag of money on the front porch of the of the kid's family. Remember? Right, dude. Right. Man. Like he was he didn't want the money that had he had that had become of him since he got into that business. You know, he was just driving around, tossing the money out of his car window. Right. I mean, Jesse, Jesse's such a good character, dude. And like, I'm, I'm so excited to see what happens. You know what I'm saying? I want to know right. where it goes from here. Like, is he going after uh, people? Is he going after cartel? Is he going after more of these Nazi guys? Like, Who's he going after? Because to me, it looks like that motherfucker's on a mission. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm glad it's going to be a movie and not a TV show because that gives just like the perfect opportunity for the classic, you know, comeback story and character arc. And it's not just going to like drag on and on and on. Right. And, and I've been hearing rumors about, uh, you know, um, Walter White and Jesse Pinkman making uh, cameos in uh, Saul, but Saul can jump back and forth. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're all looking right. at preludes. You know, what I'm saying this is all before Breaking Bad. So, like, I can see how they can bring right. And we've we've already seen you know so many cameos in Saul. You know, uh, the first time we saw Tuco in in uh, Better Call Saul, I freaked out. I knew Gus Fring was going to make his appearance in Better Call Saul. The, the two know? mute twins that like look over. Uh, Look over Salamanca's yep. body, or uh, Uncle Uncle Salma, whatever his name, Hector. Look over Hector's body. Kind of seeing Hector, kind of seeing Hector not being the wheelchair and figuring out how he gets in the wheelchair. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? It's like I love how everything just comes around full circle with Saul and Breaking Bad, and I just can't wait. I think Al Camino is just gonna just tie it all together, dude. And I just, I really hope it does. I hope so too, and I'm so excited to be, you know, two weeks from now. I think I got the day off of work, so that's that's what I'm gonna what, do. I'm just gonna watch that. that. The 11th, October 11th. That's a Friday. Okay, okay. 
I just randomly, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I need a day off in the future, and I just scheduled a random Friday off. So <laughs> that's what I got. Luck of the draw. Right. Either that, or I think it, I think it like it'll it'll drop like like twelve a.m. on Friday, so it's Thursday night, Friday morning, I think, or I think it's three a.m. I think it needs to be midnight on the West Coast, so like the whole country, yeah. the, whole, the whole United States is actually on Friday. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. But yeah, I think that's all we got to get to on this one. Yep, um, cardiac kitties. Let's see if they can carry on. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> carry on <laughs> over what they're doing. Um, Michigan as, as a tall tag. Right, Michigan. I'm I'm done with Harbaugh. I I think it's a lost cause. Um, your state, like I told, like I told you a, a few. Uh, podcast ago. I think I might be going green and white here pretty soon. Depends on how Michigan uh, rebounds back from this debacle they have in Ann Arbor. We'll see, man. We'll see how Michigan State does Saturday. You know, battle for the old brass platoon with the Hoosiers. Right. Um, but this is the game where you got to fine-tune some stuff because you got a, an absolute gauntlet ahead of you and you're not going to have this defense on your side next year. So I feel like if Mark D'Antonio's got another magical run in him, now's the time to do Absolutely. it. Yeah, and then I guess uh, we'll review um, El Camino when it comes out, too. It'll be in a few weeks. So Yeah, it'll be exciting. We'll, um, we'll, we'll dig this back up and talk about it. So Most definitely. Everybody, thank you for listening to Beards for Radio. I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. And we are the ones who knock, baby. See you later. Right. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Handmade, dyed, screen printed, and sewn products like hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. 100% original designs. This is a self-made small business started locally by Ypsilanti native and a good friend of mine, Farbar Bagarpur. These products are high quality, groundbreaking, best fashion possible, and will ship to you as soon as he can do it. Visit far-ebar.com to check out the next great addition to your wardrobe. Do it for me, do it for the beards, do it for my man Farbar.